Welcome to episode 19 of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Council are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given. Do you think you're up to the task? Hey there, Star Wars fans. Welcome to another episode of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and we're recording this episode on Tuesday, July 23rd, 2019. Before we get started this week, I did just want to take a quick moment to say a big uh, thank you to all of our existing listeners and definitely all of our new listeners as well. Uh, We're still growing steadily week by week, and I just did want to let everyone know that that is appreciated. Hopefully you're enjoying the content, and we really enjoy producing the show for you. So thanks again, and definitely feel free to reach out and say hello to us on social media if you are so inclined. All right, so for this week, we're going to do a little bit of a different format on the show. Uh, Normally we do the Holonet news after our main story, but this week they're kind of tied together with San Diego Comic-Con having just wrapped up. And while it wasn't a huge amount of news that came out of there related to Star Wars, there was some information uh, that did drop during Comic-Con. And as always, our trusty man on the street, my friend and co-host Tom Howell, happened to get out there for a day and kind of got to check out the floor and a few of the panels. Um, And uh, Tom, what was your take on San Diego Comic-Con this year? Well, first, thanks, Rob. Always a pleasure to be on the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Uh, It was, you know, it's funny because Lucasfilm wasn't really out on full display as we've seen in other Comic-Cons in the past. And I think between Star Wars Celebration this year and D23 coming up in, in just about a month that they kind of are delaying some of that information, getting it out a little bit later for that to be their focus. That being said, there were still a few little nuggets here and there that were interesting as we lead into The Rise of Skywalker. I totally agree. I mean, certainly the the most obvious thing that dropped over the course of San Diego Comic-Con and really leading up to it was the reveal of the new Sith Trooper, the very distinctive looking kind of mix of a First Order Stormtrooper. I know you mentioned it kind of had some clone trooper uh, flair to that armor as well. Yeah, that's what the way it looked. I was able to attend a couple of the actual collectible panels there, which is interesting. Uh, that was the, really the only place we've actually seen the Sith Trooper yet so far is in these collectibles, whether it be the Funko Pops or the collectible uh, action figures themselves. So kind of was the place to be to hear anything about him. Unfortunately, they still didn't really give us too much. The only thing I would say that there was a little bit different about him, they told him, is, that, you know, as opposed to like the Praetorian Guards that have kind of a similar red armor to them they've had a little bit they they specifically went down into the lucasfilm archive to compare uh the armor the color 
color of the armor. And this has a little bit more cherry red to it. I don't know if that leads into anything in particular, uh, but it was also interesting that they these uh, these Sith troopers also had, uh, they, when you looked at their packaging, they had six or seven different types of weapons. So I don't know if those will all come into play or those are just, you know, functional for the collectible itself. But it was really interesting to see and uh, very, you know, again, we, we are getting so few so little information about what's uh happening with the rise of skywalker to this point that any little morsel we get we're all jumping all over and i think the sith troopers was a big part of that yeah i almost wonder one of the implements kind of looks like the jaws of life or something you'd use to pick up garbage off the side of the highway i I almost think that's for picking up severed limbs um I'm I'm not sure if that's actually what that's what they've left behind. <laughs> right. Um yeah, they definitely have a huge array of weapons and and tools and I'm not really sure what all that's going to play into. Um I did I did note, you know, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, um that that armor is definitely more of a cherry red than the traditional. It's kind of almost of a you know, just a, a, a standard red or maybe even a little bit of a tomato red on the Praetorian Guard, but you know, there's some interesting thoughts that that red armor, I think, is going to trigger in most people, which, you know, as you mentioned, the the one character that we have seen or group of characters that we've seen within the films uh, has been the Praetorian Guard with Emperor Palpatine back in the original trilogy, and then Snoke with his elite Praetorian Guard, who were a little bit more, um, you know, samurai-esque, I guess, in, in the makeup of their outfits, but... The the interesting thing about that Praetorian Guard armor was that the way that was constructed, it actually had a magnetic field uh, that would be built into that and could be powered on. And when that was powered on, that armor was capable of uh, deflecting blaster bolts, of deflecting, uh, you know, sweeping strikes from lightsabers, although, you know, a, a piercing uh, blow would actually pierce that armor. And it just makes me wonder if there's going to be any tie-in within the upcoming film where that armor is going to have some sort of uh, advanced defensive mechanism that's going to help protect against force users or lightsabers or whatever the case may be. But again, we're going to have to just kind of wait and see how that all plays out. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there are a lot of people pressing a lot of these people involved with the various collectibles and trying to get any little information they could out of them. And they really were tight-lipped, as you would expect. We're not getting much information out Uh, at this point. I really believe we're coming up here next month. We're going to get a little more as we get to D23 Expo. I really think that's going to be very Lucasfilm-focused, especially in the live action panel we already know that they're going to have a setup on the expo floor itself and i I really think we're going to get a ton more information although of course not nearly all that we are all hungering for as we inch towards the end of the skywalker saga right yeah and i mean i don't think most of us want everything to be spoiled i do enjoy going into the films and uh leaving the majority of it to kind of be revealed within the film itself but it's definitely hard to not want to dig into it when you see such a visually distinctive character uh, like those those Sith troopers are. Um, and again, I mean, the, even with that name, it could be that they're designed to aid the Sith, but it could equally be that they're designed to fight against the Sith if, uh, you know, say Kylo Ren or the First Order were to, you know, feel that Palpatine was trying to regain control and, and they in some way, you know, didn't want to cede that. Um, 
So I don't even know that it's necessarily going to be that they're aligned with Palpatine like a lot of people are kind of speculating. Wow, that's a really good point. I never really thought of that to this moment until you mentioned that, Rob. But that is a really good point that this could be something. Since uh, I, I believe you did say that they are aligned with the First Order in some way, that maybe this is something that Kylo Ren has put together to kind of combat uh, what he sees as a rising Sith, um, you know, emerging within the galaxy. Uh, really fascinating. Really good point. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, but uh, there it is. <laughs> now, yeah, and actually uh, kind of tying in with the re reveal of the Sith troopers at, at uh, Comic-Con out there in San Diego, uh, it was announced at uh, San Diego Comic-Con that the Star Wars uh, Visual Dictionary for the Rise of Skywalker is going to be coming out. And that cover actually has some of that Sith Trooper armor on it. Um, it's got some, uh, the BD droid um, that is kind of your companion within the Jedi Fallen Order video game that's coming out in November. Um, and then some other uh, items on the cover. One is a tie dagger, which I haven't seen anywhere yet. I, I don't know if that's going to be something from a video game or a comic book, because uh, this visual guide can kind of uh, pull from all those different areas. But kind of the centerpiece of that particular book is uh, this helmet, uh, this black uh, garbed helmeted figure. It's not Kylo Ren. Um, I'm not, again, sure whether this is something tied to Jedi Fallen Order, if this is one of uh, the characters from that video game, or if this is actually someone who's going to be coming right out of the Rise of Skywalker. But um, there is definitely some interesting stuff in that visual dictionary. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on one of those. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot of stuff that's coming up as we're leading into uh, the Rise of Skywalker that is going to be fascinating. And of course, he said Jedi Fallen Order as well. Looking forward to that game. It's uh, it's just a good time to be a Star Wars fan. It's real. There is some so much good stuff coming out regularly. And yeah, I think you know the, the cloaked figure is very interesting. Where does that play into whether it's the Rise of Skywalker or Jedi Fallen? In order and i you know it's just funny because again we're just clinging to every little morsel we can find and try and delve into this world and try and figure things out even though yes you're right uh, i don't want it spoiled just like you don't want it spoiled yeah actually interesting and interestingly enough i'm looking at uh the cover art for the next item on our list which is the new rise of kylo ren comic that is uh, set to release. I believe you were saying yesterday that it sounded like it was going to be coming out in December. Uh, that's what I, I believe I remember, but I'm, don't quote me on that because I thought that's what I read that was in early December, but it could be late November, but I know it's right around that same time. Right. And that's being done by Charles Soule. Uh, he had just completed another run of Star Wars comics um, that was you know highly anticipated and, and very well taken in by the fans. I'm behind on the comics personally. Um, I'm actually going to be reading Alphabet Squadron, and uh, they just released Thrawn Treason, which is the third book in that new Thrawn trilogy today, so I picked both those up on uh, Audible, so looking forward to seeing kind of how those pan out, but as I'm looking at the cover of this Rise of Kylo Ren comic, one of the things I note is that one of the Knights of Ren it looks exactly like the cover of that visual dictionary. So it does look to me like that is actually going to be one of the Knights of Ren. Interesting. Very, very cool stuff. I didn't look at it that closely, but that's uh, it's just interesting. And, you know, I've, I tweeted it out through our Hyperion uh, 
a Twitter account earlier. That's our podcast, my personal podcast that I do with my wife. Uh, that uh, this comic, the timing of it and the subject of it, uh, really signals to me that this could be a leading to a uh, a Ben Solo redemption kind of storyline. Uh, uh, pure speculation, of course, in my part, but. The fact that they're releasing this right before and it's showing the rise of Kylo Ren, which would also be the fall, of course, of Ben Solo, uh, just kind of leads me into this direction of feeling like in some way, shape or form, we're going to see him be redeemed. Yeah, and I know that that kind of goes back to some earlier conversations you and I had had. We had drawn, uh, again, Tom's podcast is the Hyperion Adventures podcast. One of the really cool things uh, that they are doing on the Hyperion Adventures podcast is a, a revisiting all of the Star Wars films kind of in uh, the chronological order uh, that they play out kind of within the Star Wars universe leading up to the rise of Skywalker. And they've been very kind to have me on to kind of join in those discussions. We're going to be uh, this coming Sunday doing Rogue One uh, Star Wars story. So we're very much looking forward to that. But, you know, one of the things that we had discussed in uh, talking about some of the prequel era movies is that when you look at, uh, you know, Anakin Skywalker, you get to see him as a boy in The Phantom Menace. You get to see him kind of as a Padawan within uh, Attack of the Clones. But then there's this big gap that we have within the, the canon films where you really don't see him uh, living his life as a Jedi up until the events of uh, Revenge of the Sith. And that kind of creates a scenario where there's not as much weight to his fall. You know, obviously he turns into Darth Vader and, and that's a huge event in its own right. But um, that fall kind of lacked some of the weight um, that it could have had. And the thing that really fleshed that out was the fact that when they went through and they did the Clone Wars animated series, that kind of lets you see the heights to which he had risen as a Jedi and just added that much more depth to his the story of his fall. Not just the heights he reached as a Jedi, yes, but also just some of the personal side of him, how he was attached to Padme, how he was attached to Ahsoka Tano, you know, and... And so you just felt a little bit more emotionally towards him than maybe you did if you just watched the prequels and you just saw kind of this whiny teenager who was just kind of, you know, fighting against everything. And, you know, why aren't you just listening to what they say? Essentially, you kind of realize why this all kind of played out the way it did. And I, I kind of think we're hopefully we're going to see a little bit in this comic. Uh, we're going to see a little bit of that with with Ben Solo, uh, Kylo Ren as well. Yeah, I definitely agree that that is a component that they do need to flesh out. And really, I don't even know that it matters if it's for the purpose of a redemption story or whether it's, you know, for the purposes of, you know, him staying evil and being defeated by Ray or, uh, you know, in some other manner. No matter what they choose to do with him, it's still going to give more depth to that character than what we've seen in the films. And I think that's going to be really important. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Any anything, any backstory stuff, you know, a lot of it is played out. If you read some of the novelizations of uh, some of these films, there's a little bit more, little little sort of Easter eggs, little cookies here and there that you can pull out of it that kind of develop some of these characters, develop some of the storylines more. But nowadays, it even seems like uh, Marvel and Lucasfilm have combined to uh, get a lot of this backstory out in these new comics. I mean, if you really aren't, if you aren't reading the comics, I'm mean, actually I'm like you, Rob. I need to catch up. Uh, we're really missing out on some of this interesting backstory canon stuff that's out there in the Star Wars universe now. 
Let's be honest. What they're really good at getting out of us is the last few dollars in our wallet. That's always the case. It's never. That's never been. Uh, by the way, you, you go to these collectible panels. Oh boy, there's some serious collectors out there that uh, you gotta love them because man, they are on top of everything. These poor panelists out there for Hasbro and whatever. It's like, when are you going to have this piece out? And they're like, well, we're working on it. It's like, well, we need it now. <laughs> it's really. I'm, it's really I'm fascinating. St- stuff you people are serious and god love you for it man that that's great i'm glad you know you have a hobby or whatever it is that you're so involved in i'm still trying to figure out the combination of organs i could sell uh just to get the nine thousand dollars or whatever the life-size k2so um from 2017 comic-con is so um in regards to some of the other information that came out of comic-con this week uh one is that uh vader immortal which is the the vr experience for the oculus rift headset um and this is not the vr experience that you could do at downtown disney or disney springs at walt disney world or disneyland uh but this is more like an in-home uh system type experience that you can have and it's essentially darth vader uh pulling you playing the role of of this hapless smuggler uh that is force sensitive in to go on this quest to retrieve you know this MacGuffin for him and from everything that I've heard from the folks that have done it, it is just an incredible piece of story. It's also considered canon, so if you do get the opportunity to play it, it does fold into what is considered to be the accepted canon within Star Wars right now. Uh, but they did release at San Diego Comic-Con that they are already in development on Chapter 2 or Episode 2 uh, for Vader Immortal. So if you are a person that has played uh, the initial episode... Um, or looking at possibly getting one of those Oculus Rift headsets, um, let it be known that there are more episodes coming down the road. And, it, you know, if they keep to the track of what they've been doing thus far, uh, that is all going to be considered canon. So that's another thing that I just cannot wait to get my hands on so I can try that out. Mm-hmm. That was one of the panels I actually really wanted to make it to, but unfortunately there just weren't enough hours in the day for me to do everything and, and get to everything. So unfortunately we, we had to miss that panel, but uh, yeah, the, the, that looks amazing. Like I, I think we've talked about it in the past that for the longest time, I never really was a, one who wanted to do a VR situation, not saying that, you know, I wouldn't do something that's controlled like at, at, at the void or whatever, but like when the my own home it was never really something that i was looking to until this emerged and now i'm like well i think i may finally be on the vr train so you're not going to be able to keep up with the story if you don't do it right true exactly it's canon we got you got to know what's going on you got to know what's going on and then for the uh the last two items that we've got that kind of came out of san diego comic-con that were of note uh the first is that um star wars resistance which i know tom uh and i are both big fans of season one of that is actually going to be coming out on dvd on august 20th uh so that is definitely a date to look forward to although i I know for me personally and i wouldn't be surprised if you're of this opinion as well that uh, you know, may it may make more sense for most people to just hold off until Disney Plus comes out in November on November twelfth. I believe they were saying it's going to be around five ninety nine a month, and if you do a twelve month package, it it goes down even lower than that. Um, that you know, it's it's just such a great value for entertainment. You're going to get all your Star Wars content on there. 
Uh, I, I don't know that I feel the need to particularly buy the DVD. Right. We've we've actually been on a all sorts of Disney, Marvel, uh, Lucasfilm purchase embargo over the last couple months now, knowing that we're only a couple months away from having access to all these shows. So why also purchase that as well? So um, we are the same way. We're, we'll be holding out until November, until this all comes to fruition, and we're very excited for it. Yep. And the final item, uh, again, is tied to something that's going to be coming out on Disney Plus, and that is The Mandalorian, which is the kind of live action Star Wars series that is uh, being put together by Jon Favreau and is something that is going to kind of be a cornerstone for Star Wars fans within that Disney Plus streaming service. Has already been greenlit for a season two. They're in pre-production on season two. So that, you know, clearly is an indicator to me that Disney is very confident that that show is going to be uh, a success and that it's going to be something that Star Wars fans are going to want to kind of soak up and they're trying to get out ahead of the curve. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to when we get to the D23 Expo. Uh, they are having a Disney Plus specific panel and I, be, I wouldn't shock me if a big portion of that is a look inside the Mandalorian, kind of a sneak peek and you know, look at this season, possibly even a look into what's coming up in season two. But uh, I'm very excited for that and all the Lucasfilm stuff that's going to be coming to Disney Plus. And by the way, if you uh, don't have tickets to the D23 Expo and you're still thinking about going even if just for this panel uh the friday and i believe sunday tickets last i checked are still available you can go to d23.com and and purchase single day tickets if you have any interest in seeing uh this panel or or some of the other stuff that's going to be going on at the expo yeah and that's actually really cool that there are still tickets available for people who are interested in getting a chance to get out there and check that out um it's certainly a great opportunity if you know that you're going to be in the area or you have a way to get in the area. Um, you know, you're going to be in a position where you could potentially do some of the D23 Expo. You could also go over to Disneyland and check out Galaxy's Edge if uh, you were so inclined. And um, I know that, you know, there's kind of mixed reports. In some, in some cases, you've got people claiming that that land is completely empty. Um, I've heard that, you know, it's certainly not empty. It's not, it's not uh, packed to the gills like they were expecting, but We've talked a little bit on earlier shows that there are a number of reasons for that, especially out at Disneyland in, in regards to annual passes and blackout dates and, um, you know, some of the other measures they put into place with cast members kind of limiting their access to, to the park. So um, I think that the real test is going to be kind of as we get into the fall, the fall period when those annual pass blackouts are lifted. Uh, and again, I think that anyone traveling from out of town, uh, to go to Disneyland probably was hedging their bet for a little bit later in the year. Um, or at least after the summer when the land was originally forecast to be open. But, uh, I think that it's going to definitely see an uptick once we get to fall. I don't think there's any question. Anybody who you know, wants to say that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is a failure has never uh, visited Star Wars Galaxy's Edge because it's amazing. Uh, but also, I believe that, like you said, I think this is a learning process for Disney as they watch and see how the people filter in, how the crowds are. They want to give people a, a worthy experience. So I think as you know, you try it out at a certain level of letting so many people in to begin with, and then as you go along, you see, okay, this hint. Land 
land can handle that many more, so you start adding more in. Yes, the uh, if if you don't know, if you're more of an East Coast person, a Walt Disney World person, whatever, uh, Disneyland is very focused on uh, annual pass holders. You have so many people living within two hours of it, whether it be, of course, L.A. itself, Orange County, San Diego, uh, Ventura, Santa Barbara area. There's millions of people that are well within distance that can drive in for a day trip. So they have limited their annual passes, blacked out a lot of them for a lot of this time. So that plays a part in it as well. But you've seen now, if you go look on the app, you see that they're starting to let more people in. It's becoming a little more crowded. The wait time for Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run has grown a little bit. Still, it's relatively reasonable compared to a lot of attractions that you see throughout the Disney parks. But uh, I, I, anybody who wants to say it's it's struggling, um, again, I, I just don't believe that. Yeah, I believe it was like a week ago that they had announced that they just had their one millionth visitor on the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run attraction. Um, you know, so pumping a million people through that particular attraction and really the first couple of months that it was open is uh, is certainly not an indication that no one is visiting the land. And that's just the people who've actually taken the time to go on that particular attraction. Um, so, you know, clearly they are. And, and the other thing uh, that really bears mentioning here is that they open this land early as part of a phased opening. And there are going to be people that do not get to visit, be it Disneyland or Walt Disney World regularly enough where they are going to go until all the attractions tied to the land are open and related to that we do now know that rise of the resistance is going to be opening uh, at walt disney world on december 5th of 2019 the actual phase one opening down there with everything minus rise of the resistance is august 29th but that land will be fully open on december 5th and then the disneyland version of rise of the resistance i believe is january 17th um so I think once the land is fully open, they knew they knew that they were going to be limiting the people that they were going to have visit, um, you know, until all the attractions were open. And I think that that actually plays out in their favor. They they wanted to give the land time to kind of uh, fall into its pattern, have the cast members get used to what was going on, et cetera. Yeah, and I also think there was, and I, I think you mentioned a little bit of this, there was a little bit of a, almost a fear for people that were thinking about going to Disneyland that, oh, you know, I'm not going to, especially if you're not really interested in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, um, that I'm not going to go right now because it's probably going to be crazy busy. And I think that just kind of spread and there was... A, portion of that where people the crowds especially early on were a little lighter again we're seeing starting to see the crowds grow a little bit as the summer progresses but uh, I, I do think that there was again a lot of feeling out processes not only for for uh, Disney and the Disney cast members but also for the population itself on if they want to go and, and be there if there's this mass of people trying to get into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge yeah I completely agree um, so that pretty much does it for the San Diego Comic-Con news. Uh, again, we're, I think Tom and I are both very excited to see what comes out of D23. Um, I know that Tom had mentioned to me that uh, they're going to be running daily updates. He and his wife, Michelle, um, both of whom are hosts of the Hyperion Adventures podcast, are going to be doing their daily updates uh, from D23. So that would be a great way for you to check that out and get uh, updates on what's going on there. Uh, I will certainly uh, look to Tom to to give us some updates as well as we do this podcast. Um, and that should be, uh, I think there's just going to be so much more Star Wars news that comes out of D23. Comic-Con was certainly Marvel heavy this year. Uh, you know, there's the running joke that, you know, you've got Marvel, who's a comic book company that's pumping out movie after movie. And then Star Wars, known for its movie franchise, is now turning around and pumping out all these comic books. So 
there's been a bit of a reversal there, but uh, I don't think anyone begrudges either franchise their success. No, definitely not, especially under the same umbrella company that they're all from. Uh, but yeah, I, I I totally believe that, uh, especially the live action panel, if, if on Saturday morning is going to be very Lucasfilm heavy. We did receive a little information from D twenty three, their social media today, that there will be still some more Marvel stuff that will be debuted at D twenty three Expo during the live action panel. But I think that they mostly hit uh, the broad rush of that at comic-con to kind of open the doorway for lucasfilm to take over more as we get into the to the saturday's live action panel terrific um really the only other thing that i want to talk a little bit about and really more to open this up to listeners uh to send in your thoughts on on uh, where this may be headed but we know that uh what they've set up until this point is that uh you know snoke and kylo ren are, are considered not to be sith um, there are some theories out there that possibly Snoke could have been uh, a clone of Emperor Palpatine or in some way tied to Emperor Palpatine. Um, but the more the more that I think about that, I mean, I, I can't see Palpatine not claiming to be a Sith. He was, you know, very proud of his Sith heritage. But it's still interesting to see that there are so many things uh, that are part of the mindset of Emperor Palpatine that were still in evidence with Snoke. And the First Order, the penchant for the super weapon. I mean, uh, Palpatine went ahead and built two Death Stars uh, unsuccessfully both times. But um, And Snoke's response is to build Starkiller Base, which is orders of magnitude larger. Um, you've got the fact that you know both implemented uh, some version of the Praetorian Guard uh, as their personal defense force. Again, both unsuccessfully. But um, you know, there, there's these similarities, but at the same time, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, it, it's not Palpatine come back through a clone, uh, despite the fact that that was something that was part of Star Wars Legends. And we know that he was in favor of cloning from the fact that he was kind of behind the, the creation of the Grand Army, the Grand Army of the Republic within the prequels. Um, so I'd be interested to hear from our listeners, what do you guys think? Uh, A, about who Snoke was. Are we going to get any information on his backstory within the Rise of Skywalker? Uh, Do you feel like he has any connection to Emperor Palpatine in any way, shape, or form? And also, what are your thoughts on the Sith Troopers? How do you guys think that those are going to be implemented um, and play into the events of the Rise of Skywalker? So definitely feel free to reach out to us. Uh, You can send us a message at jtapodcast at gmail.com. Or the best way to reach us on social media, we're typically on Twitter pretty heavily at JTA Podcast, but we can also be found uh, on Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest at JTA Podcast. So uh, drop us a line, let us know what you think, and I will definitely make a point to read some of those responses on the next episode and kind of get your your uh, recognition out there for you. So, Tom, did you have any any particular thoughts on the on the whole concept of what's going on with Emperor Snow or Supreme Leader Snoke? and uh, Emperor Palpatine, how there may be some interplay between those two? Not in particular. I, I really don't know. And have, knowing so little about Snoke, you know, you know I think it's interesting that uh, you know, when you go through uh, this these three films, it's, it's not un- different from the, uh, uh, from the original trilogy in that, you know, when you got through Empire Strikes Back, you really knew very little about the Emperor and you found a little slight more about him in Return of the Jedi, but it really wasn't until the prequels until you really knew 
knew what Emperor Palpatine's backstory was. I mean, if you you know take out the expanded universe, of course. Uh, but you know, I wonder if it's going to play out similarly with Snoke. And I was also thinking about also the 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 Kylo Ren, the Rise of Kylo Ren comic. We were just talking about how that may also play into finding out a little bit more of Snoke's backstory in that as well. So it uh, will be interesting to see how it plays out. will be interesting to see if he has ties to Palpatine, if he's just, you know, trying to maybe portray some of the same traits that he saw from Darth Sidious, you know, even though he doesn't say he doesn't want to be a Sith or he doesn't uh, claim to be a Sith at all. I'm talking about Snoke. Um, or if, you know, really he was a part of Palpatine returning. It's, it's, it's going to be fascinating. I can't wait to see how it plays out. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's certainly the the opportunity for it to become kind of a, a three-sided fight as well. Uh, we know that Kylo Ren uh, was all for get you know doing away with the Jedi and the Sith, um, and kind of forging his own way forward. And with the First Order in his grasp, as of the end of the the Last Jedi. Um, you know that you've got Rey and the Resistance on another side, but if Palpatine were to make a return in some way, shape, or form um, and seize power, I would have to believe that you know he would be trying to take the First Order, which is the remnants of his galactic empire, um, which may be what drives Kylo Ren uh, off to rejoin with the Knights of Ren, and uh, you kind of get three different sides to this conflict. So um, uh, it all, to me, s- screams of a, of a much lengthier final film than what we've seen um, with some of these other Star Wars sequel films. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to them, you know, getting the story in a position where they can kind of wrap it up uh, and put us in a position to launch us into whatever their next uh, film project is going to be. Absolutely. I don't think this movie can be possibly under like yeah, two hours and 40 minutes. I mean, it's the it's the end of the Skywalker saga. They've got to do it justice. They're not going to knock this out in 100 minutes. They're, they're really going to have a decent length film, in my opinion, although we have no idea of the runtime. I was just thinking as you were speaking there about this whole thing of possibly there being a uh, combination of forces to possibly fight against Palpatine or whatever, and thinking about the Sith troopers. And, you know, one of the popular theories right out, out there right now is Finn leading some sort of stormtrooper uh, rebellion or something right. along those lines. Well, what about Finn, the Sith trooper? leading this rebellion and, and it, again total speculation it's just something that popped into my brain just the moment there is what if he's a leader of the sith troopers leading this uh, you know elite force helping to battle against the evil of the returning emperor palpatine yeah it's interesting and it also kind of makes me wonder if, if it were going to be a scenario where kylo was redeemed uh turned turned back to being ben solo um, and I know that when they showed him repairing the mask in the trailer, they were using, he was using that red solder or who, whoever it was that was repairing the mask. Um, so you've kind of got that black and red, uh, color scheme there as well. So it would be very interesting to know. I mean, if, uh, if the Sith troopers do turn out to be a force led by Finn, um, you know, if that black and red combination is going to be something that we see associated with, with the resistance, it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around that. Cause that color is so closely tied to the first order, but, 
um, you know, again, it wouldn't be the, the craziest thing to ever happen in a Star Wars film. Yeah, exactly. So, again, just totally spitballing here. It just popped into my head. It, just like, it, you know, you talking about the Sith Troopers, because I, I was, you know, under the impression, oh, these are definitely bad guys in some, some right. way, shape, or form. But then you suddenly turned it around, and I was, uh, that was really struck me. And so, as I was just thinking about through these things, I'm like, well, I know that there's this theory, maybe. And again, you know, that's just what's, it's so fun because we've, we've gotten so little about the rise of Skywalk to this point. We've only gotten the teaser trailer. We, you know, we just get the Sith troopers. So we're just kind of, you know, grasping for anything we can find. But I, it, it, that's part of the fun of leading into these films. Yeah, actually, the thing that triggered the Sith troopers possibly not being, you know, a force arrayed against the the resistance was the fact that um, within that Jedi Fallen Order video game, you know, they've got the the concept of these purge troopers that the Emperor had sent out to assist Vader and, you know, ridding the, the galaxy of any remaining Jedi or Padawans that may be floating around out there. So, um, you know, again, it's it's just a possibility. You never know what they're going to do with the naming and... Um, we only have a few a few short months left to to wait and find out for sure, but uh, the speculation is is a lot of the fun. Right. And again, I, I believe we're going to get at least some footage, some more footage, if not another trailer coming up here in a month from now at D23 Expo 2019, because uh, I, I, I'm sure there'll be very Lucasfilm heavy doing that live action panel, and if not even a little bit uh, also within the Disney Plus. And who knows, we may even see some, some other things that come out uh, at, through some of the, even the smaller panels. Totally agree. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for our conversation today. Again, if you want to drop us a line, let us know what your thoughts are on the Sith Troopers or uh, the whole concept of what's going to be going on within the Rise of Skywalker between, uh, you know, with Emperor Palpatine's return. And if he has any ties to uh, Supreme Leader Snoke, we'd love to hear it. Uh, Again, drop us a line at jtapodcast at gmail.com or on social media at jtapodcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest. And Tom, I'll have you go ahead and give your contact info for anyone who wants to check out uh, your podcast and the uh, Star Wars Remembered series that we're going to be dropping Rogue One on this weekend. Yeah, very excited to have you join us once again on the podcast to talk about Rogue One. I've said it before. I think that I'm going to just sit back for this episode and let you and Michelle speak about it because, you know, I love Rogue One, but you two love Rogue One. <laughs> but yeah, you'll want to follow us along. We talk a lot of Star Wars. We talk Marvel. We talk just Disney in general. We give you tips for your vacations. If you're going to the parks, if you like to do anything like the Disney Cruise Line, run Disney. We cover a wide gamut of different uh, parts of the Disney you know, umbrella as it is. And you can always find us where our best place to find our podcast is HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And you can also find us on every place else that you normally get podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartMedia. And if you want to follow us socially, we'll be out of the D23 Expo tweeting a lot about the stuff that, that is happening out there as well as our, ex- our, uh, our episodes that kind of wrap up the daily activity every single day. And you can follow us on Twitter on uh, excuse me, you can follow us on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Awesome. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in to listen this week, Tom. Thank you so much for uh, taking the extra time out of your schedule to come on and talk with us. And we will look forward to talking with you guys all again next week. Thank you, and may the force be with you. 